Well, good morning, church. So good to see you. Oh, man, good morning. Oh, you are there. That's good. I'm so glad that you're here and so glad we have the privilege of, uh, of being together. And what a wonderful way to begin our time of worship today. Uh, we're going to celebrate baptism. We're going to celebrate what God is doing uh, in Sam's life. And so, Sam, come stand with me, bud. So this is Sam Oliver, and I uh, had an opportunity a couple of weeks ago to sit and talk with, uh, with Sam and his family. Uh, Sam is currently being fostered by two wonderful parents and is in the process of being adopted uh, into that family. Yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Such an exciting thing and so pleased for what God is doing in Sam's life. I'll tell you, a few weeks ago, uh, during the end of our service, um, we had that moment where I give people an opportunity to respond, and, uh, and, and I, just because I was looking out across all the people, I didn't see Sam raise his hand, but during our closing song, Sam and his mom came up and said, hey, he raised his hand today, and so I had an opportunity to, to pray with him there and to be excited about what God was doing in his life, and then had an opportunity to hear uh, a little bit about how God was moving in his life and continuing to work uh, this last week. And so Sam today is signifying that spiritually he is adopted into the family of God. And so what a wonderful recognition and, uh, and, and response to that. So Sam. So Sam, I have one question for you. Have you asked Jesus to come into your life and to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Sam, it's by your profession of faith in Christ that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the brand new way of the Awesome. It doesn't get any better than that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, church, for being a church that is always looking for ways to show people Jesus and to lead people to receive Jesus as their Lord. Well, good morning. I'm talking slowly. There it is. Good morning. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. Let me just welcome you to Stetson Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you're here this morning. And we would love to know that you're here. And you can do that by checking in. All the directions are up there, up there on the screen. I'd encourage you to do that every morning as you come. And, and that would be awesome. We have a special announcement this morning. I'm going to let Pastor Rick share it with you. traditional service has been rehearsing on Sunday afternoons and starting this Wednesday the choir rehearsal will be moving to Wednesday night starting this Wednesday Wednesday night at 545 in the choir room which is right underneath the baptistry right behind that wall and uh, if singing in choir is something that you would enjoy doing uh, you don't need to read music you just need to want to praise God and if it's something that you would consider doing, if you have any questions, uh, give me a call or message me, uh, answer any questions you have. But if it's something, if you know a neighbor or a friend or a family member who uh, enjoys praising God and likes to sing, uh, would love to invite you to join us this Wednesday night at 545. That's awesome. Thank you, Rick. I wish I could sing at all, but I can't. So that's why I do this instead. Uh, but a couple other things that are going on today is that today we have a fundraiser for our student and children's ministry uh, they're going to camp this summer, and one of the ways that we uh, raise money and support those families who are sending their kids is to have a, a lunch uh, provided. So at the end of this service and next service, 
Um, if you want to go by the Family Life Center, which is our gym, just right over there, you can pick up a box of pulled pork uh, for you and your family. And then we just ask for a donation. So if you can help with that, that would be amazing, uh, supporting those families who are sending their kids to camp. Um, the second thing is this. Uh, it also involves food, which is a good thing. Next Sunday is our event called Pizza with the Pastors. And Pizza, Pizza with the Pastors is a chance to um, get to know more about the church, to learn, learn more about our ministries and why we do what we do. And if you haven't done that and you're not a member, let me encourage you next Sunday after our third service to meet us over in the Family Life Center. Have pizza with us. We have child care provided and be a part of that um, that, that opportunity to learn more about the church. It's a really good thing. Last thing is this. We are closing in on our caps for Vacation Bible School. That being said, we only have so much space for VBS each year, and this is a camp in the middle of summer for kids, and I know like first grade is almost full, fifth grade is almost full, and if you haven't signed your kids up for camp, make sure you do so for Vacation Bible School, because those spots are filling up very fast. In addition, we need help from you guys adults. So if you've ever herded cats, or you don't have to teach, but if you can like get people from point A to point B, I mean most of you do it every day when you go to work. So if you could do that and help us with kids, that would be amazing. You can sign up to be a volunteer and we could use your help in games or in all sorts of ways. So let us know there. All that to say, we are really glad you're part of this service this morning and I want to encourage you to stand up and we're going to sing together as we honor God this morning. Let's stand, would you please?
the church. You are the same God. You touch the lepers then. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Yes, you are.
Praise the name that is above every name today, that at the name of Jesus, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We lift up the name above every name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? So good to see you this morning. So glad that we have this opportunity to, uh, to be together. Before we jump into today, to today's message, just a few quick things for you to be aware of. First of all, this evening at 5 o'clock, we're going to be having our quarterly business meeting. And uh, that's a time just for us to talk about what God's doing in the life of our church. If you'd like to come and be a part of that, we would welcome you. It'll be over in our student center, so in our family life center, uh, just across the parking lot. We'd love for you to come and be a part of that. And then uh, another thing that's happening is we are entering uh, event hosting season. Uh, I don't know any other way to describe it than that, but we, uh, one of the reasons why we did the renovation that we did and one of the reasons why we did it the way that we did it was we wanted to have a building and a facility that was flexible enough that we could invite people from the community in to our building and to our facility to be able to use it. And so that's kind of, that was kind of our goal and um, that is about to become a very real reality um, because we're about to really get into event hosting season. And uh, so there's a lot of things that go along with that. The first event, by the way, the first event that we'll be hosting is Tuesday night. We're hosting the Stetson Choral Union, Stetson University Choral Union. Uh, there will be about 130 voices that will be on our platform. And uh, so children all the way up to senior adults, there will be all kinds of people. And they're singing all Broadway tunes. And so if you'd like to come and just be a part of a really fun event, it'll be Tuesday night right here. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that. But even if you don't want to come on Tuesday night, you can help us because guess what we're doing after the service, after the 11 o'clock service today? We're setting up platforms so people can stand on them. So um, if you would like to help us be kind of our labor force, we would really, really, really help uh, use your help and appreciate your help if you could offer that. So I know that some of you are here at the 945 service. Some of you are headed out. Some of you are going to a Sunday school class. If you're going to a Sunday school class, you could easily come right back over and then go get your meal uh, for the uh, for the kids and students fundraiser. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, that will be right after uh, our 11 o'clock service. And then the last thing, I know there's a lot of announcements, but the last thing I want to share with you is uh, about our new intern that is going to be on campus very, very soon. As a matter of fact, he'll be here, he and his wife, uh, soon to be wife, then wife, all, anyway, lots of information about that, uh, will be here around uh, the m beginning of May, and then they will be back at the end of May, uh, beginning of June. The first time they come, they will be fiancés. The second time they come, they will be married. So, you know, there's something that happens in the the middle there. So, uh, so I want to introduce you to uh, Nate and Kate. Hey, Stetson family. Uh, my name is Nate Hicks. I'm your new resident. 
and the residency program, and this is my soon-to-be wife, uh, Kate. Uh, we are students here at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Could uh, we'll we start that over May, so that they can hear the beginning? Can May, we just click uh, it again? Right after as well. Uh, hey, Stetson. Hey Stetson family, uh, my name is Nate Hicks and I'm your new resident uh, in the residency program and this is my soon-to-be wife, uh, Kate. Uh, we are students here at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, we'll be graduating in May and then we'll be getting married in May uh, right after as well. Uh, so I'm actually a uh, senior and I'm graduating in ministry and missions uh, and she's graduating in psychology and she'll uh, be continuing with a social work uh, master's program online as well uh, while we're down there. Um, so it's going to be really great just to get down there uh, and be with you guys. Yeah, we're just super excited to get down there and to meet all of you and serve alongside the church. Yeah, so thank you all so much and, and we look forward to meeting each and, everyone, each and every one of you. Grace and peace. So yeah, we are very excited about having, and you did hear that correctly, their names are Nate and Kate. Isn't that awesome? I just think that's adorable. Um, God has really led them. Um, Kate is actually the daughter of Tim Detellis, who has been with us a number of times. Uh, when she gets here, she will actually be uh, Kate Hicks. Uh, but Nate and Kate, we're so excited about them coming. Nate is going to be primarily interning in the area of student ministry. That's where he feels like God's calling is on his life. And uh, so we're just really excited about having them come and be a part of the ministry here. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be living in the, uh, in the house that's a little bit down from our current intern house. Uh, they're on boundary. Uh, just really excited about all that's going to happen there. Now, that's a lot of information, and I hope that you took it all in, and we're excited about what God is doing. But let's jump into today's message. We started a new sermon series last week called Dysfunctional, and we define dysfunctional this way, that dysfunctional is not acting like it should, troubled, problematic, disharmonious, struggling. When we use that as our definition for dysfunctional, what we can say is probably there's not a person in the room that can't raise their hand and say, I've got a little bit of that dysfunctional in me. And that's, that, that's true of all of us. There's no such thing as somebody who lives a perfect life, who has everything in order. We all have some kind of weirdness in us. We have some situations in us that, that we wish were different. We have a lot of dysfunction in our lives. Now, thankfully, that we have a lot of dysfunction in our lives, and thankfully, the Bible actually describes some areas of dysfunction itself. And so that gives us great hope because it tells us that we're not like immune to the Word of God or we're not outside of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible is so clear on some of the stories that it shares that you kind of read it and you go, Ooh, that's in the Bible? That, that, some of the stories that we read in the Bible don't feel like they belong in the Bible. And we talked about one last week where Abram, kind of the father of faith, the father of the nation of Israel, Abram basically gives his wife up and turns her over as his sister twice. But God still used Abram to bless the entire world, including us. And we're going to look at another one of those stories of dysfunction today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 16. If you have the Bible there in the rack in front of you, it's on page 11. So just a few pages into the Bible. Literally, you're 16 chapters into the Bible and this story shows up. You ready? Verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. 
she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Now, just quick aside, remember that God has promised Abram a great family, a great nation that was going to come from his family. That was when he was 75. Now he's 85 and nothing has happened. So he's thinking, why is this not working out? Well, and we go on. It says, and Sarai said to Abraham, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, I'm not going to get into too great of detail here. All of you parents, just relax for a second. But basically what happens is uh, that Abram is supposed to have children. Sarai says, listen, I'm not having any children, but I have this servant. How about you have a child by her? It's going to be okay. Everything will be fine. And then we can help God fulfill his promise. I'm sure that all of you think this is going to go well. Actually, if you read verse 3, it says, So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Raise your hand if you could see that coming. I mean, my goodness. This is a crazy story. There is no way that these people should belong in the Bible, God's word. This is not a story that we should uh, that we should see. But yet here it is. Abram goes through with his derangement. Hagar, con- Hagar conceives, and Hagar begins to look at Sarah Sarai per- poorly. I think we could have all seen this. Coming. Now, let me take just a quick aside because I think it is, this is not the point of today's story, but it's an important point. Because what we have here is we have a mother that is desiring a child but has not yet been blessed with a child. And I'll just say that that is a, that is a real situation that happens every day in the world. As a matter of fact, there might be some people that are sitting right here In this room, there definitely have been people who have sat right here in this room that have said, I desire to have a child. And yet, for whatever reason, that just has not happened. I'll say that as a a pastor, I've had the privilege of sitting with a number of families, husbands and wives, and and praying for, uh, praying over infertility or even secondary infertility. And let me just say that uh, as as a family, as a a father, who we, my, my wife and I went through seven years of desiring to begin a family and yet God not blessing us with a family. I'll, I just want to say on the other side of that, that I, I want you to hear God sees your plight. God loves you. He cares about you. And, and just because you don't see the things working out the way that you want them to work out, just trust in the Lord in the midst of this time. Trust that he sees you, knows you, cares for you. I, I, I will say, there was a pastor, his name was Jeff Morgan, and he prayed over my wife and I, and I, and I don't know what happened in his prayer, but it wasn't too terribly long after that that God blessed us with a child. And I've had the privilege, my wife and I have had the privilege of sitting with, uh, with some couples and praying over them and praying for them, and, and God has blessed them with children. I'm not saying that because we have like fertility prayers. 
I'm, it's not about that. It's just sometimes you just need somebody that will stand beside you and stand with you and say, hey, we're going to walk through this with you. And we're going we're gonna to help to carry this burden. And it is a real burden. Again, that's not the point of this passage, but I just felt drawn to it as we, to, to that issue because I think that there are some people that, that just need to hear that God cares about you in the midst of that difficult situation, that difficult circumstance in your life. God sees you. He hears you. He knows you. And he is going to, and he is going to walk with you through that even in the difficulty of the circumstance. That said, we look at verse 5. It says that um, Sarai said to Abram, may, may the wrong, I love this, may the wrong done to me be on you. Sarai looks at Abram and says, this is your fault. Abram was like, I just did what you told me to do. And Sarai, may the wrong be done, done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Sarai is not very happy. But Abram said to Sarai, hey, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Treat her however you want to. Don't, don't look at me. You deal with it. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. This is a very interesting story in that this is an arrangement that that Sarai has kind of put before Abram. Abram took advantage of the arrangement. He said yes, and Sarai uh, is now upset with Abram. Abram says, it's not my fault, it's your fault. I tell you what, you deal with the servant. And so she does. She treats her so harshly that she literally runs away. And you can imagine Sarai going, well, good riddance. My problem is gone. Let me finish the story. It says, The angel of the Lord found her, found Hagar, Hagar by, a, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I, I love it when God asks questions that it's like, seriously, you don't know? You, you don't understand exactly what was going on. By the way, let me just say real quickly a piece of instruction. That word, that phrase, or that comment that, that the angel of the Lord is an interesting phrase. And we see it throughout the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. It's interesting. And one of the ways that it's interesting is because we think when we hear the angel of the Lord, we immediately go to an angel. But this is not just an angel. It says that it is the angel of the Lord. Lord. An angel means a messenger, and the Lord, obviously we understand that. Sometimes when we read through the scripture, we will actually find that the angel of the Lord starts making promises that don't belong to an angel, they belong to God himself. And so there are many, many scholars have studied this, and they have actually seen that there are times, through context you can understand it, that when you read that it says the angel of the Lord, it actually is not talking about an angel or a messenger. It's actually talking about the Lord himself, just a, an incarnate version of them. By the way, we have another version of the incarnate version of the Lord himself. His name is Jesus. And it very well may be that Hagar was visited by a physically present Lord, Yahweh, but it also might be that Hagar was visited by a pre-incarnate, a pre-birth, a pre-Christmas, if you will, Jesus. Regardless of what it was, this was a clear message from God and a clear messenger from God. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. 
The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, by the way, this is the context clue. I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. See, an angel can't make that promise. An angel can't say, I'm going to multiply your offspring. Only God can make that promise. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. Now that's quite a description. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He's going to be stubborn. He's going to have his way. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. She said he is El Roi, uh, Jehovah Roi. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham, to Abram. This is a very interesting story. And when you think about dysfunction in the Bible, some of you, again, I said this last week, some of you, as I read through the story, you're like, well, I, I may not be perfect, but I'm not that. At least I'm not there. At least I haven't done something like that. And I certainly understand that. But the thing that we have to get from God's word and the thing we want to be able to receive is, so, so what? How does this actually inform our lives? I would say that when we look at this story, it's really a story in two parts. We have the story of the dysfunction of the way that Ishmael comes about. And then we have the story of God restoring Hagar and Ishmael to his plan and to his family. And so we have these two kind of sides to the story, and I think they should probably be uh, applied in, in, in different ways. And so if you will, let's just kind of walk through this and let's see the ways that we, can, that we can take this dysfunctional side, this Abram and Sarai, this relationship, this, oh my goodness, what has just happened, and let's ask ourselves, how can we, how can we put that into our lives? The first thing that I think we can see here is that God truly does have a plan for our life. God has a plan for your life and for my life. We can see over in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 when the people of Israel were in uh, captivity that God comes to them through the prophet Jeremiah and he says, behold, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now there's a lot to be said about that verse and it does go on. I know that some of you are like quoting it in your mind right now, but I love that first part. I just love the fact that it says, behold, I know the plans I have for you. Isn't it great to know that God has a plan? Isn't it great to know that God has a plan for your life? Isn't it great to know that God has a plan for my life, for my family, for, for, uh, for our society? God has a plan. He's not just up there. I mean, it's, it's not like God is in heaven going, well, I didn't see that coming. No, he has a plan. He is completely sovereign. He is completely in control and we can trust him even in the midst of our dysfunction, even in the midst of our difficulty. We can trust him to know that he is always there. God has a plan for your life. Some of you have actually walked through that and, and, and your, your response to that is, well, I want to know God's plan for my life. Well, it's his plan, not, it's not your plan. <laughs> it's his and, and he holds it. 
But it's so good to know that there is someone that is a God of creation and a God of sovereignty and a God of redemption and a God of forgiveness and a God of love and a God of, of, of circumstance. It's, there's, I'm so glad to know that God has a plan, aren't you? And it's so important for us to know. God had a plan for Abram and God had a plan for Sarai. And his plan was that he was going to, through Abram, through his offspring, was going to bless the entire world. The interesting thing about that is that Sarai said, you know, hey God, you've got a plan, I've got a way. It's not that though. We've got to recognize that it's God's plan, God's way. We can't do, we can't just... We can't just say, okay, God, as a matter of fact, I would tell you that probably one of the reasons why God doesn't always reveal much of his will to us is because he knows that if he revealed too much, we would try to take it into our own hands and make it happen. Sometimes we need to recognize that the reason that God is not sharing with us all of his plan is we'd be like, oh, that's my destination. Let me just see what I can do to get there. But God God's plan is not just the destination. God's plan is the journey to the destination. God's plan is from where we are to where we need to be. And he's got a plan every step of the way. He's got to prepare us and he's got to work on us and he's got to mold us and shift us and carve us and and, and create us to be the person that we need to be so that we can accomplish the plan that he has for us. So we need to ask ourselves, what is God's plan But not only what is God's plan, but what is God's way to accomplish that plan? How is God going to move in my life and in the lives around me and the circumstances around me? I need to accomplish God's plan for me today, not for the next five or ten years of my life. What is God's plan? What is God's way? Some people would say this, and I've heard it said before, when we start talking about God's plan for our lives, we say things like, well, I mean, I, I didn't go about it right, but, but the end justifies the means, right? The end justifies, if I landed at the right place, then so what of how I got there? Please hear this. The end and the means matter. The end and the means, they matter. And God has a purpose in the end But God has a purpose in the process. So we are not just jumping to a conclusion. We're walking through each step of the the process. Sarai and Abram and Hagar did not participate in it that way. They said, God, you've got a plan. We've got, you've got a plan. We've got a way. God, you've got a destination. We've got, a, we've got the journey. Let us figure out how it's going to work. You just, we'll check back in with you when we get there. That's not how it works, friends. And I'll tell you, even in the difficult circumstances of our life, we can say, God, mold me, shape me, make me. I know you have a plan And you're using this time of my life to help me to be the right person for that plan. You're using this situation in my life or these circumstances in my life to help me to be the person that can fulfill the plan that you have for my life. God has a plan. The end and the means matter. It's God's plan and God's way.
Now, if we shift our attention to the second half of the story, we see Hagar. She has been outcast. She has been pushed out of the family. She is expecting a child, and she is in the wilderness. She has been, she has been abandoned. She has been rejected. She has been mistreated. She finds herself in a place, and the Bible says that the Lord, the angel of the Lord, comes to her. The angel of the Lord treats her with kindness and speaks to her in a way that is beautiful, restoring her, helping her, encouraging her. I love the fact that that in that moment, several times, we see things like, you are the God who hears. Ishmael means God hears. You are the God who sees, El Roy. You are the God who sees. Literally, beside the well, she says, this is the well of the one who sees me. It's a beautiful picture of the fact that in her abandonment, in her struggle, in her heartache, God visits her. Some of you are going through one of those times as well. You feel abandoned. You feel like you, uh, you, you don't know which way is up. You feel like there's a, a, a loss. You feel like there's a struggle in your life. And I just need you to hear this. Even when we're broken, God sees us. Even when we're broken, God sees us. When we're going through financial hardship or, or a struggle in a relationship or when we're walking through a health crisis or, or when we're going through the, the, the breakdown in our family or when we're going through uh, a situation in our job where things are not going well or maybe, uh, a, 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 maybe a struggle in our marriage or, or maybe it's something with our kids or our grandkids or, or whatever the struggle might be, even when we're broken and we're all broken from time to time, even when we're broken, God sees us, and he loves us, and he cares about us, and he visits us in our brokenness, and he comes to us, and, and he says, I've, I've got you. I haven't left you. I'm right here. I'm going to walk through this with you. I realize that there are some people in this room, and I, I mean, I can see faces right now, and I, I know some of your stories, and I know some of your struggles, and I know some of the difficulties that you've walked through, and for some of you, I know the difficulties that you are currently walking through, and I just want you to hear this. God sees you. You're not lost. He knows right where you are. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten your name. He sees you. He cares about you. And if you'll let him, he will, he will visit you. And he will comfort you. Even in the midst of the struggle, the brokenness, the heartache. I love the fact that, that we can look at the t context and we can see that this was, this was a physical manifestation. This angel of the Lord was a physical manifestation of God. 
And we, when we read through the entire Bible, we see that the physical manifestation of God, his name is Jesus. He's the son of God that gave his life as a sacrifice for us on the cross. When we see the, 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 uh, the incarnate Christ, when we see the incarnate God, we call him God the Son, our Savior, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the One who gave his life for us on the cross. And here we have a picture of that very same Son of God coming and visiting Hagar in her difficulty. She's all alone. She's with child, but she has no one there. She's abandoned. The security that she may have felt at one time in the household or in the encampment of Abram and Sarai, she no no longer feels that comfort. She no longer feels that security. And guess who comes to her? Jesus. It just reminds me that when we when we've got no one else, there's always Jesus. When everybody else seems like they have abandoned us, there's Jesus. When all seems lost, Jesus is there. When everything seems hopeless, Jesus is there. When the world seems to fall silent, Jesus is there. When our lives are broken and shattered and in shambles on the ground, Jesus, he's there. When the relationships that have meant so much to us seem like they're lost, Jesus is there. When we walk into the doctor's office and he says, sit down, we need to talk, Jesus is there. When we're looking at our bank account and what used to be security is no longer security, Jesus is there. When the relationships and the things that have meant so much to us feel like they're all gone, when our arms are empty and we feel like they should be full, Jesus is there. So in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the difficulty, I just encourage you to turn to Jesus, to trust him. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't wrap him up in some of the other relationships that have disappointed you. Because he will never disappoint. He will always be there. And he will walk with you through the difficulty of your life. He will walk walk with you through the dysfunction of your life. He will always be present. He is your Savior who gave his life on the cross for your sins and the sins of the entire world. So trust in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you for what it teaches us. Thank you for the way you lead us. And God, I just pray in these next few moments that you will continue to work in our hearts and in our lives. Give us comfort in your presence. We trust you. 
And we ask you to speak to us powerfully in Jesus' name. As you continue to pray, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you are right now going through one of those moments of brokenness. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you've got a specific situation. I'm not going to ask you what that is, but I just want to give you an opportunity to just come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm hurting. I don't know how to get through this. I'm dealing with a struggle in my life. Again, the details of it are something you can hold inside or something you can pour out to God. But I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're going through a difficult time right now and you want to be met in that difficulty by Jesus, I want to encourage you in just these closing moments of our time together. Would you say, would you just raise your hand and, and by that say, I'm going through a hard time right now and I just need the presence of Jesus. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Amen. Anyone else? I'm going through a hard time and I need the presence of Jesus right now. Yeah, that's right. Anyone else? I'm just going through a hard time. I'm just struggling right now and I need Jesus. I need his presence. I need him to meet me in my struggle, in my brokenness, in my heartache all over the room. Anyone else? Just want to give you an opportunity and basically what you're doing by raising your hand is you're raising your hand not before me, but before Christ himself. And I want you to know he will meet you in that place of brokenness, in that place of heartache. Anyone else? Now I know in the room like this that there's there's many people that say, yes, I'm broken, yes, I'm struggling, but there also might be one or two people that say the reason I'm broken and the reason I'm struggling is because I don't really know personally this Jesus that you're talking about. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you've even heard about him today. Maybe you've read about him. Maybe you've watched something on television or on YouTube or something about Jesus, but knowing about him is not knowing him. Only having a personal relationship with Jesus is what leads us to truly understand all that he wants for our life. And so if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to say, Lord, I don't want to keep my life as mine, but I want Jesus to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I want to give my life to him. If there's anybody here today who would say, I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to do it right now. I won't come to you. I won't point you out. I won't ask you to do anything. I just want to pray with you. If there's anybody here who says, I want to give my life to Jesus right now, again, would you just raise your hand? I want to give my life to Jesus right here, right now, today. Anyone? I want to pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for coming and visiting us in, this, in these moments of need. And I pray that you would continue to work in our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for leading us. Let us be faithful to you in all things. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing this closing chorus together.